This is Lena from Infected Rain. Brian Fair from Shadows Fall. Gary Hall from Exodus and recently retired from Slayer. Phil from Violence here. This is Trevor Sternad from the Black Dahlia Murder. This is Christian from Lions at the Gate. Yo, 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 Igor Cavalera here. Hey, this is Charlie with Anthrax. I just want to give a shout out to Pedalton and Metal Radio, the podcast. The podcast to get all your rock and metal news plus reviews. With new episodes dropping every Sunday, make sure you tune in. Keep rocking with Pedal to the Metal. Check it out now. Keep it metal. Hell yeah. Welcome everybody to another exciting edition of Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. I'm your main man here, Eddie Monster here, rocking episode 92. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the season three premiere. Because just like last week, we've got great stuff for you guys this week. We've got bands you should know artists. We've got a top 10 list because we're celebrating the 40 years of me being on the planet Earth. And, uh, yeah, we got other great stuff. we got rock and metal news, all that good, 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 good shit for you guys out there. Uh, if you're just joining us for the very first time, welcome. My name is Eddie Monster, and I will be your dubious host for this podcast, and uh, hopefully you like it. Uh, if you want to follow us on any social media sites, you can do so by clicking on any of the links that are in the description below. That's right. All the links are there, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, so on and so forth. We are also posting uh, links to all the bands that are on the show as well. So if you want to follow any of the bands that are playing on the show, you can also click on those links in the description as well. And lastly, one site that is always important to preach to you guys is the blog site. That's right, pedal to the metal radio show dot blogspot.com. Yes. Pedal to the metal radio show.blogspot.com. Dude, I don't know how many I think I've said that for about ninety one or ninety two episodes now. And every once in a while I catch myself. You know. Every once in a while. But anyways, that is the site to go to if you want to listen to new and archived episodes of Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast, as well as uh, Monster House Records Club, anything else we do. Um, all the links will be there. Be sure of that. Uh, so, but yeah, like so like I said, we've got a great, great show for you guys. We've got a lot of stuff to do. Um, so why not kick it off with the top 10 list? That's right. We are looking at the top 10 al albums of 1991 because last week we did 1989 and we did 1990. We're back on track, so no, no need to do more than one list. But anyways, this was a um, very simple list for the top three because I looked at it and it was like, this is a no-fucking-brainer what my top three is, even my top four. I would say it was a no-brainer. Uh, but everything else was kind of a jumble. So, of course, I'm going to read to you guys the honorable mentions. And one of them is Human by Death. And then the other one it may surprise you guys. It's Slave to the Grind by Skid Row. And I, and I chose that one for honorable mention because it was Skid Row's first record that really had any balls to it. If you kind of catch my drift, it was a more straightforward kind of metal rock album. You know what I mean? And and, and it was heavy as shit. So I give them that much credit. So Slave to the Grind, honorable mention. 
All right, so anyways, top 10 metal albums of 1991. Here's my list. This is it. I called it. If you disagree with it, you can let me know. Just post it on Facebook, and uh, I'll check it out. Uh, but anyways, so at number 10, we've got Soul Side Journey by Dark Throne. Now, if you want to listen to a death metal version of Dark Throne, this is the album to check out. It was their first album, and it was their death metal record before they became a black metal band on the very next record. Uh, but Soul Side Journey, a great record. Anyways, whether you know, you're into it or not, uh, whether you love the black metal side, I should say, of them, and you're not really sure about the death metal side, check it out. It's a good fucking record. Uh, number nine, we've got Slow, Deep, and Hard by Typo Negative. It's the debut album after these guys changed their names from Repulsion to Typo Negative. And uh, why the fuck not, man? I mean, the, the album covers a blurred ver- uh, vis- a blurred picture, I should say, of sexual penetration. Uh, but it's got all the humor. All the humor you would grow and love about Typo Negative is on this record. Plus four of the seven tracks, I believe, seven or eight tracks, something like that, seven or eight, can't quite remember, um, are all about a failed relationship from Peter Steele, and he uses good humor, as he always did. Uh, at number eight, we've got Time Bomb by Udo Dirkschneider, but simply just titled Udo. And uh, it was their fourth studio album. It would be their last for a little while uh, because Udo would obviously reunite with Accept. Um, this is definitely the heaviest, at the time, I believe, it's the heaviest Udo record that he had ever made. Good shit. Check it out. Time Bomb by Udo. Uh, number seven, we've got Blind by Corrosion of Conformity. This is a good fucking record. Uh, the vocalist that they had on this album, I can't remember his name, but he was only there for this record. And they also had a bassist that was only there for this record as well. But this is the first album to feature, uh, feature Pepper Keenan on guitars, which is pretty fucking cool. This is before he would switch over to vocals as well. Uh, but it's got some great songs. Dance of the Dead is fucking unbelievable. So make sure you check that out. Blind by Corrosion and Conformity. Uh, number six, we've got Unquestionable Presence by Atheist. This is a landmark record in such a way because they mixed jazz harmonies and they mixed Latin kind of rhythms and beats into this album. And it's a landmark because it's really the first record that you could call a technical death metal record. So if you're looking for that, man, check this album the fuck out. Uh, Unquestionable Presence by Atheist. Good shit right there. Uh, number five, this is Butchered at Birth by Cannibal Corpse. Now, for a lot of fans, they consider this record the first real uh, death metal record by Cannibal Corpse because Chris Barnes's vocals got a little more guttural. Um <clears throat> the band stopped really using the thrash element, so that this is the first real like death metal album by the band. So pretty good shit right there. Butchered at Birth by Cannibal Corpse. Um, and, and like I said, now the top four, pretty straightforward. At number four, it's Arise by Sepultura. Can't argue with it. Arise is such a fucking amazing record. If you have never checked out any Sepultura, most people think of Sepultura and they think of Roots. 
Because I couldn't tell you how many times I've mentioned, oh, do you like Sepultura? And everybody's like, oh, yeah, Roots, dude. That's a fucking great record. And I'm like, okay, but there's other shit. Because Sepultura at one point was considered the Brazilian Slayer. Check out Arise by Sepultura. You will not regret it. Uh, number three, I have Bad Motor Finger. Now, I know a lot of people are going to kind of be up in arms by this, but Soundgarden I considered more than just a grunge act. They were a good metal band because metal is metal, man. It's it's all whatever it is, man, and and this is such a good record. Um, so check it out. Bad Motor Finger by Soundgarden. One of my all-time favorite Soundgarden records right here. Uh, number two, I've got No More Tears by Ozzy Osbourne. This is the pinnacle of Zach Wild Records and probably Ozzy's best solo record since the Randy Rhodes records. And I know some are going to argue with me because people love Jake E. Lee and I love Jake E. Lee, but Jake E. Lee's records never reached the level of success that No More Tears did, therefore being the landmark um, Aussie record for sure. And at number one, this is a no-fucking-brainer. If you know me, this album is just a perfect record from beginning to end. It's got fucking every song is just amazing. Granted, a lot of them are overplayed, but when you sell 16 million records, of course, some tracks are going to be overplayed, right? And I am talking about the Black Album by Metallica. It is the greatest record to come out in 1991. Probably the greatest metal record to come out of the 90s. And, uh, yeah, it kind of changed thrash metal, right? Because you think about it, and all those bands were kind of like, fuck, Metallica just dropped this on us, so what do we do? I mean, Megadeth changed their sound. Slayer never did. Slayer stuck to thrash. But generally, any band that was looking for success generally change the sound. I mean, look at Anthrax. They eventually would go with John Bush. I'm sorry to tell you, but their sound changed with John Bush. And uh, so on and so forth. So there you go. There's my top 10 albums of 1991. I will check out your lists if you have one. But this is my definitive list. So there we go. All right. Now, now it is time for our first Bands You Should Know artist. And the first band we have for you guys, we're kind of doing the hard and the heavy thing again this week. So we've got some rock and roll, courtesy of Calgary's very own Lynx. That's right. Taking No Prisoners and Making No Excuses is the name of the game of Calgary's Lynx. They play pure rock and roll, reminiscent of the 80s, boosted with modern-day producing and mastering. And last year, they released their album Long Live Rock and Roll, and we're playing the title track. Here's what they said. We wrote Long Live Rock and Roll as an homage to all the legends that came before us. Fangs put most of the lyrics to it, and Blade composed the song. From start to finish, it's the life experiences that Fangs acquired on the top of his way of saying thank you and shouting out that Lynx will carry on the rock and roll dream that so many accomplished before us. Man, we hope it kills. All of us have put a lot of thought into this album as every artist does. That's right. Make sure you check them out. They are called Lynx. And their album is called Long Live Rock and Roll. And of course, we're going to have all the links for them in the description. So if you want to follow them, you can do so. And if you're wondering where they are on the spectrum, if you're a fan of Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, and Skid Row, you're definitely going to love these guys. So without further ado, let's check it out. Here is Lynx 
with Long Live Rock and Roll.
is time for Rock and Metal News, presented by Eddie Monster. All right, Rock and Metal News time for you guys out there. So there's one uh, specific item I wanted to talk about right from the start, and that is it shouldn't matter what the Grammys think. And we as fans of rock and metal should just not give a shit. I've said it before. I've blogged about it many, many times in the past. About how I felt about the Grammys and how, you know, it's one thing. Okay, if, if you need, you know, gratification for winning a Grammy... For some reason in your career. But you got to remember. They don't respect real hard rock bands. They don't respect metal bands. That is a well known fact. Okay. They never have. They never will. And as soon as you get that in your head. The more you realize. That we should not give a shit. What the Grammys has to say. But. Nonetheless. You know, the Grammys have, you know, this segment where they, you know, pay tribute to those who passed away. They're in memoriam segment. And a bunch of people were snubbed, right? So they honored, let's see, you know, Taylor Hawkins, of course. Taylor was a huge, huge loss. And I'm not taking anything away from that, remember. Not taking anything away from the people that were honored, like Taylor Hawkins, Dusty Hill of ZZ Top, or Charlie Watts of the Rolling Stones. But it just felt very snobbish to not include Joey Jordanson, who, if you remember Slipknot, was up for many Grammys in the past. Or even Megaforce Records founder, John Cezula, who also passed away this, you know, this past year. And to leave them off of the list, or at least off the show, was just, I mean, it was, you know, it kind of is what it is. I mean, they're... And and one website that I've been checking out says it's worth noting that Jordanson and Zazula were both named on the extensive in memoriam list on the Grammys website, but that doesn't matter, right? It's the fact that they were snubbed during the show. And nobody, and let me tell you something, nobody is more important than John Zazula in this list. If it wasn't for John Zazula, a lot of modern metal just does not exist. Let's be honest. But now in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, Grammy producer Ken Winston has this to say. Well, firstly, I think that anybody who feels left out or feels almost snubbed by an in memoriam, I think that from the bottom of our hearts, there can only be apologies because we go into this show only ever wanting to bring joy and love to people with music. And then with an in memoriam, just remember people in the best way possible. So no excuses, no, other than sympathy to anybody who feels that. And, uh, you know, he comes into excuses of, you know, be 
because of on-air time and blah, blah, blah. It only allows for so many people. Okay. Well, I got to agree with Chris Jericho in a lot of ways because, you know, he says the rock genre has always been kind of the redheaded stepchild of the music world. Right? We saw Metallica years ago get snubbed for Jethro Tull. All right. And he went on to say this. Well, now you're going into the business standpoint of things. Is there bands that could do it? Of course there is. If you look at the Struts or if you look at Greta or you look at some of those types of bands, Dirty Honey and Hailstorm, or you mentioned Fozzie, a good time rock and roll band, but you have to have the industry behind you. And that's what I mean by Guns N' Roses and Metallica in 91. Those bands were always great, but it was the industry getting behind them, the decision makers getting behind them. And you know how that works. And until the next rock band is kind of deemed that, I don't think you're going to see rock in the forefront. I don't think it's worth getting angry about because we know that the arenas are still full Rock and roll is alive and well, and we shouldn't worry what the Grammys think or what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thinks. Who gives a shit anyways? It's like Chuck D said, who cares if I want a freaking Grammy? I think that most of the bands feel that way. And one of the coolest, most badass things, right? So to add to his comment about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think one of the coolest fucking things that I ever saw was the fact that Dolly Parton tried to eliminate herself from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame voting so that Judas Priest could get in. If that's not fucking honorable, I don't know what is. But the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame had to step in and tell Dolly Parton, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, sorry, we're not doing that. We're not going to allow you to do that because fuck Judas Priest, fuck heavy metal. That's what they're saying. Shit. You know what I mean? Like, I gained a whole lot of respect for Dolly Parton. She's more than just huge tits and, you know, a personality. As you can tell, I'm not a country music fan. But nonetheless, you got to give her respect, you know, for her to have a chance, first of all. For her to have a chance to get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and for her to say, you know what, fuck this. Like, I'm going to step back because obviously this band that deserves to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right, deserves to get in there. And I'm going to allow them to get in there because I'm going to rescind myself from the list. And the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just says, ah, nah, fuck Judas Priest. Fuck heavy metal. You know what I mean? It's only one of the most important fucking subgenres of of rock me of you know, whatever the fuck you want to say. And I remember I was in a class in college. It was uh some fucking class. It was like the history of American pop music, right? And I needed something. So I tried to find something that was the easiest class to take. Uh so I took that one. And I never thought of heavy metal as a subgenre or metal itself. I thought of, you know, I thought metal was its own genre and that, you know, 
everything like death metal, black metal, heavy metal, power metal. You know, I thought those were all the subgenres. Well, according to this American pop history class, right? Metal is a subgenre of alternative. Yeah, it blew my fucking mind. I don't know. Blew my mind. I was so disappointed that day. I just remember thinking, are you fucking kidding me? I'm pretty sure that I've been watching enough and I've been into metal enough to know that the subgenres are like, you know, fucking grindcore, death metal, fucking black metal, you know. I'm pretty sure those are the subgenres, right? Metalcore, whatever the deathcore, whatever the hell you want to fucking call it. Right, those are the subgenres, and then to have somebody tell me, no, 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 metal is a subgenre of alternative, and I was pretty sure my whole fucking life, alternative music to me meant like REM and those kind of bands. So to hear that blew my fucking mind. But again, to me, the point of that story is once again another reason why metal doesn't get the respect it deserves. Right? There you go. Another example. We're not even respected enough to have our own fucking genre. Can you fucking imagine that? Go to Europe and ask the Europeans what they think because I'm pretty sure metal's pretty fucking popular over there. More so than over here. Over here, everything's so convoluted. But, you know, it, it it blows my mind, man. It just it absolutely blows my fucking mind. Um, but again, you know, what the fuck? You know, it's it's it is what it is. You know, if if they don't want to honor them, don't worry. I did. I honored Joey Jordison. If you didn't listen to it, check out the episode with AC Slade. We paid tribute and we're going to try to do a second episode a second joey jordanson tribute episode i've already decided that is gonna fucking happen i have been a soldier of metal since the day i was born thanks to my two older brothers right and i will continue fighting for metal until the day i die it's my favorite genre of music always will be always has been it's the reason why i started this show in the first place so, but you know, like I said, we don't need award shows. We don't. We've got we've got plenty of evidence of what's great in the world about metal. Because just go to a live show, and that's where you're gonna see it at a fucking live show with fucking five to ten to twenty thousand people. All in fucking unison singing fucking songs together. It's fucking great. Headbanging together. That's where the fuck it is. Right? That's where the fuck it matters. Not anywhere else. Alright, moving on. So this was kind of... uh, This was kind of... Kind of mind-bending, right? So I guess... Joe Cetriani, like I didn't, I, I'm not sure if this was, I'm not positive if this was already, you know, something in like something that was already said, if it was public knowledge, I'm not positively sure, uh, but apparently Joe Cetriani 
was Kirk Hammett's guitar teacher. I did not know that. And apparently, he was his guitar teacher all the way up to Injustice for All. And he was, and, and Hammett was also Satriani's last student he ever had. So this kind of blew my mind hearing that. And in an interview with Life in Six Strings, he talks about it. Um, apparently, he, he mentions that he started, I believe, he, yeah, he says he started giving Hammett lessons when he was in Exodus. So apparently the timeline is somewhere in the area of 1979 and uh, 1983, somewhere in between there is when he started. Um, and he also says early nine, early 88 is when he stopped. So that's Injustice for All. And here's what he said. What a great outcome. He was such a motivated young student. I mean, he could play pretty well before I first met him. He was already playing lead guitar in the band Exodus when he started taking lessons. And then during that time, he got the gig with Metallica and he started taking two lessons a week. He was so motivated. He was such a good student. He knew exactly what he wanted and was uh, and he was really hungry. So it was great. And he was actually my very last student. The very last lesson I gave in early January of 1988 was to Kirk. And then the next day, I was off becoming a solo artist for the first time in my life. So it's been very exciting for the both of us. There you go. So I didn't. I, I honestly didn't know that. I didn't know Joe Cetriani. Um, I love hearing this shit, right? Hearing about this stuff. Like knowing that Randy Rhodes was Tracy Gunn's teacher at one point. thought that shit's fucking cool. You know what I mean? Because... You know, we worship these gods of metal, you know what I mean? And, and to find out, you know, how connected they all really are is pretty fucking cool, man. And and to see who they've taught, you know, has gone on to big and, and, and better things. Um, it's cool. So uh, Cetriani, obviously, he's got a new album, The Elephants of Mars. That's out right now. So if you want to check that out, go check it out, Elephants of Mars. I, I just think that's some badass shit. All right, so Eloy Casagrande, uh, the drummer from Sepultura, recently had surgery for a broken leg. Ouch. So he, I know he had to uh, exit the tour, and uh, Bruno Valverde of Angra uh, is in the band filling in right now for him. So apparently on Instagram he said that his surgery went successful, and he hopes that real soon he'll be behind the kit. And this is what he wrote. He goes, I'm writing here to let you know that I just had surgery. It was a success. I can't thank you enough for the support and all the messages you guys sent wishing me a speedy recovery. You all give me the courage to continue. I'll be back very soon. Thank you so much. And he thanks his doctor as well, um, which I'm not going to sit there and try to figure out if this is his name. Dr. Marco Viniscius Credido. That could be his name. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, nonetheless, there you go. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Mudvayne. We all know Mudvayne is going to be touring with Rob Zombie in the summertime. But they've also added two headlining dates for themselves outside of that tour. 
And apparently Star Set and Power Man 5000 will also be playing those shows. Or I know it says in Milwaukee on the 14th of, of July it's going to be Star Set that's going to be playing uh, with Mudvayne. And then August 8th in Denver, Colorado at the Mission Ballroom it's going to be Power Man 5000. So as you know, Rob Zombie, Static X, and Power Man 5000, right? That tour with Mudvayne starts on July 20th, and it runs all the way to August 21st when they end in the Woodlands, Texas at the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion. So be sure to check that shit the fuck out. I am so fucking excited to see Mudvayne live. Believe me, I am going to try my hardest to be there, so don't you worry. Uh, Despise Icon, if you are a fan of these guys, I've got some good fucking news for you. That's right, they are working on their seventh overall album, which is going to be their first since Purgatory, which came out in 2019. And uh, they mentioned this in a post that they were celebrating their 20th anniversary. Wow. And uh, they have some tours coming up, so be on the lookout for this. This is what they said. This month marks the 20th anniversary of Despised Icon. We've been in this band for half of our lives and are eternally grateful for the support you've given us over the years. We currently have two tours in the works and have written over 10 new songs that we aim to record by the end of the year. All right, but while you're waiting, just blast some fucking Despised Icon. Get ready for some new music. Uh, Destruction That's right Vocalist Marcel Shermer Has some pretty Specific words He has to say about Vladimir Putin Um, And you know The Ukraine thing is going to be A part of interviews now For a long time But uh, here's what he said He goes of course there's the war Now we have the first time All those pictures The modern world is there with a camera All the time And we see the brutality of war. Nobody wants this war. The Russians don't want it either. It's their president. How do you stop a maniac like this? As a German, I feel like he's the new Hitler. It needs to be stopped. But the problem is that we all depend on him, at least in Europe, which is breastfed on his gas and oil. We have to cut this immediately. It's just heartbreaking. I've been to Ukraine Our lighting engineer is the Ukrainian woman, Lena. She gets the news from Ukraine and shows us pictures, and her family is suffering over there. It's so brutal to see this in this world today, 2022, when we're so educated. How can this still happen? I don't know. Right? And he's got a huge, huge point there. How the fuck? It was understandable in the 1940s, the 1960s, or 70s, whatever you want to say, and even the early 90s, when social media wasn't a thing, right? And even during the beginning of the advent of the internet, social media still wasn't what it is today. So it's it's pretty fucking bizarre, man, that you know we're still this ignorant to get into war. But you know that's a discussion. For another time. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about. I, I am I am so disappointed. To hear this. I hope that the news is not true. I really don't. I know. That. They've been having a hard time. Putting it together. 
and that, you know, COVID really kind of fucking killed shit. And that is Maryland Death Fest could be going on hiatus or they might be wrapping things up. Because according to the organizers, there's going to be no 2023 edition. And the 2024 edition is actually questionable. Given how shit is going on in the world. You know what I mean? So unfortunately, this also includes the California, the UK, and the Netherlands versions as well. So for any of you guys out there that go to those, um, make sure you go. This year, because so, this is this is fucking disappointing, uh, but this could be the final Maryland Death Fest, and I have unfortunately never been able to go. Uh, but you know, this year's lineup includes Carcass, Obituary, Dismembered, Deicide, the Cavalera Brothers playing Sepultura, and so so much more um, between May 26th and May 29th in Baltimore, Maryland. Here's what the founders. Um, I have to say, while we continue to work digitally, uh, diligently on the long-awaited 18th edition of Maryland Death Fest that will finally take place next month, we'd like to share some thoughts with you about the future of Maryland Death Fest. We're sorry to inform you that we will not be organizing any festivals at all in 2023, which includes Maryland Death Fest. There's a chance that 2022 could be the last edition, but we're unable to determine that right now one way or another. What we can say now is that we're going on hiatus and we'll decide during this much needed break if the festival will return in 2024. There are many variables at play that will impact the decision to possibly bring it back in 2024, including the state of the world. And if we have the ability to put other things in our personal lives on hold to give the event the kind of attention it is always needed and received. So when we set out to plan the first edition of MDF 20 years ago, we could have never imagined that we'd still be doing it all these years later. We have committed so much time and energy into making MDF what it is, never once taking a break. Considering the grassroots nature of the event, it feels like a miracle that we've made it this far. On, tip, on top of the typical stresses and challenges over the years, these last two years in particular have added so many additional elements of surprise and uncertainty that have added to the exhaustion of it all and led us to the decision of going on hiatus. Simply put, our minds and bodies need a break. We hope that everyone can understand and respect this decision. There's more and more and more that it goes into. Um, it's unfortunate. This is one of the original festivals here in the United States. And I'm not talking, you know, and don't mention OzFest. You know what I mean? Don't mention any of that shit. Because OzFest was a traveling tour. It was Ozzy's tour of the summer. I'm talking about established metal festivals that happen only in one city much like in Europe right Wacken doesn't go on tour Wacken only happens once a year in Germany right download only happens once a year in fucking England or the UK whatever you want to say so this is one of the original 
fucking festivals here in the United States. Not Rock on the Range. Even though it's nice to see like all these uh, all these festivals coming up. It is nice. Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking them. But this is one of the originals. And uh, it is. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And I hope that in 2023 they get the much needed break they needed. And in 2024 hopefully shit is a lot better so that we can continue to have Maryland Death Fest. All right. It is time for our second Bands You Should Know artist. It's been a great, great show. Hopefully you guys have all enjoyed. I know I like ranting sometimes, but it's time to cool things off. We got another band, right? I just felt like, you know what? We already played one band that's kind of bringing the rock thing back. Why not do another one? That's right. I'm talking about international heavy rock act Cobra Spell, who sheds its skin and releases their second EP, Anthems of the Night which is out as we speak, and they've got a brand new single out called The Midnight Hour, which showcases this five-piece band and their ability to make the grooviest of songs a true party banger. Destined to rule the world with shredding, sprawling guitar screams, over-the-top stage performances, and hook-infused vocals. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. And let me tell you, it's pretty badass. They've, They've got... Female guitarist, female bassist, so on and so forth. They've got a great singer who, if he's not careful, right, he could end up being the next singer of Skid Row. Just saying. But nonetheless, here we go. It's time to check him out. Here's what the band had to say about the uh, the track. Let me tell you, this song is the sleaziest song of our collection. I was searching to create a song that took you back to the groovier, sexy 80s songs. A song that could make anyone feel the heat off the rhythm and dance composition-wise. I was trying to discover a more blues rock approach in songwriting. I feel like this is our grooviest track and meaning hard rock one for sure. All right, so without further ado, here we go. We are going to check out Cobra Spell right now and their fucking kick-ass track because I've already listened to it, so I know how fucking awesome this is. So here it is, the midnight hour to close out the show. And as always, I will see you guys next time on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. I'm your man, man, Eddie Monster here, signing off. Here is Cobra Spell, midnight hour. I know, I know. Don't quit my day job. I get it. But anyways, here they are on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. You win.